Hello, welcome. Yeah, my name's Harry. Uh, nice to see you this morning. Um, I am an outdoorsy person. I don't know if there's any other people here today that would describe themselves as outdoorsy people. Uh, there's kind of a, there's kind of a, uh, I would say, there's like a, a sec- some sections, right? So you kind of got your, your Saturday afternoon, Sunday afternoon walk kind of outdoorsy people. They're kind of, we like to go to the park. We like go to, is there anybody here that enjoys a Saturday afternoon or Sunday afternoon walk? There's a few hands, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, then there's kind of, you got the next step, right? I, I would say the next step along is people who, uh, who have got the kind of walking stick pole thingies and you've got a, a, a big bag on your back. Is anybody here that likes going on like hikes, like that kind of thing? Few hands going up, very nice. I admire you, I admire you. Uh, so I'm, I would say I'm probably more in the first category. Uh, but I have gone on an expedition, and it's called uh, Duke of Edinburgh. So the Duke of Edinburgh Award is an award for uh, young people, for kind of teenagers, to kind of engage them in their community, kind of get them serving, get them volunteering. Uh, it's, it's there to kind of build teamwork. It's there to kind of give them and teach them like, new skills and things like that. And uh, the focus point, the kind of core part of the exp- of the kind of uh, the award is the expedition. It's the journey that you go on, and so you you get put in a group, and um, you get a big bag like this. And this bag has got everything you need in it for for like three days of walking. You've got your you've got your supplies, right? You've got your food. You've got your 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 water. You've got all the clothes that you need. You've got your sleeping bag. You've got your tent in here. You've got tent poles in here. Everything you need to carry around is is in this bag, and it gets pretty heavy. Um, but, so you kind of get put into a group, and you tend to share the stuff out. So you know, one person gets the tent poles, the other person gets the canvas kind of thing. Um, but I was put in a really good group with, a, with a, a, there's four of us, and we were all really close friends. So we had a really uh, good group. And um, the purpose of this expedition is just to go from A to B and to be as self-sufficient as possible. And because uh, it, um, it was the expedition, we, we were in the Brecon Beacon. So we went to Wales, um, kind of really high hills, kind of half mountainy kind of area. And we're walking, right? And on first day, so day one, uh, the group kind of gets together and think, right, who, who here is the best at navigation? And so, uh, humbly, they appoint me as the, as the navigator for the group. So, I, so we got one of these OS maps, and we kind of open it up, and we've got our plan, right? We've got, we know where we're going to go, and we've kind of drawn on, because we've planned this all beforehand. We, we've drawn on our route. So um, I'm, I'm kind of the navigator. I get given the map, and my job is to make sure we don't get lost, Okay. And so off we go, off we go, and we're walking and we're walking, and we, we get to a kind of fork in the road. And it's probably worth noting at this point that just because I was uh, appointed to be the navigator, just because I was apparently the best in the group, doesn't actually mean I was any good. All it means was that they were worse than me. So, so, uh, so we're going to get to this fork in the road. And then the other thing you need to know is that when you, are in, when you got this role, you can display no sign of weakness. There's no, there's no room for uncertainty. When you've got the job like this, you've got to be confident and 100% of where you're going and what you're going to do. And so we kind of got to this fork in the road, and I'm kind of looking at the map, trying to figure out kind of which direction to take. And uh, all the group kind of gathers around, right, where are we going, Harry? Where are we going? And I go, we're going right. We're going right. So we kind of got into the path, and we're, uh, off we go. And the moment, the moment that we set off, I thought to myself, I don't 
actually know whether this is the correct, I'm not 100% whether this is the right path to go down, but you know what, I can't display any weakness, so we're doing it. It's going to happen whether we like it or not, we're going down this way, and uh, maybe I was a bit less wise back then. <laughs> but anyway, so we're, kind of, we're going down this path, and I'm kind of wandering around, everyone's having fun, I'm kind of at the back looking around thinking... Hmm, not promising. This is not, maybe this is not the right way to go. Maybe this wasn't the route that we were supposed to take. And we kind of, we keep walking, and they ask, Harry, we're going in the right direction. No display of weakness. Yeah, yeah, we're fine, we're fine. And, um, and then eventually we kind of got to this point where on the map there's supposed to be this big forest, right? This kind of a, a large, large wood ahead of us, or supposed to be. And uh, what we're seeing here is not, nothing like that. We're saying like a cluster of trees, like 10, maybe 20 trees at max, right, at max. So, so I'm looking at thinking, you know what, we've got a problem. So I kind of gather them all together, and I'm like, guys, guys, and they're like, yeah, what's, what, what's wrong? And I say, so obviously you can see here that this, that's smaller than what you can, but clearly what's happened is it's just got smaller, it is the, the big forest has just got smaller. What they've been doing, they've clearly been cutting the trees down. That's the only possible explanation, right? There's no possible other alternative. Clearly, they've just been logging. They've just logging. So, uh, so they go, fair enough. So we keep going. And, uh, and then we, and we eventually, because it was kind of ahead of us, so we kind of reach, reach this forest. And by this time, they, or, you know, not forest, by this time they've kind of all forgotten. But I obviously haven't because I'm the navigator, right? So I'm kind of walking along thinking, you know, there is no sign of deforestation here whatsoever. Like there is no like tree stumps. There's no like stacks of wood. Clearly, clearly we have gone wrong. So I kind of, guys, gather them over. Guys, yeah, so we've gone wrong. And they go, oh, come on, how far back? And I go, four or five miles. Four or five miles, wow, that's crazy. And, uh, and then, oh, come on. And so we kind of turn around and we kind of head back again. Um, now, I'm convinced, right? I'm convinced that if we had one of these, we would have been absolutely fine. This is a military-grade GPS system. This is not your kind of like system you get in your car, right? This is like they'd use this in the war kind of level, and uh, or I, that's what it said anyway. And uh, and um, if see, this is easy, right? You kind of you just put in your 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 destination destination, and it will plan the route for you. And then when you're walking, it'll give you the instructions. You turn left, okay, turn left. Turn right, yeah, sure, yeah, I'll, I'll turn right. With this, it's all control, it's all planned. You can see it all there, and you kind of got to figure it out, and you've got to kind of work things out, and that kind of thing. And as I was thinking through this, I was thinking, it's quite similar to life, don't you think? You've got your map, and you're trying to plan it out, and you're trying to plot it out, and you've got your goals and your aspirations, you've got a destination you're trying to get to, and you're trying to walk around thinking, right, where do I... Where? And sometimes what you're seeing here is not what's in here. You're thinking, why is that different to why my plan is? Why is that not how I thought it should be? And, and in that analogy, I'd say that, and this is kind of what I'm going to speak on, is that God can act like the GPS. This is Jesus, guys. So we're trying to figure out our plot. Well, how do we get, how do we, and the whole point is we stop, put down the map, and listen. Because God, God, God calls, God speaks, God, and we're going to look at that and how he does that, but God kind of gives instructions. And, and, and when, we, when we put down that, when we say, you know, I'm not going to try and work by my own standards, I'm not going to try and work by my own plot, I'm going to kind of listen and obey, that's when things 
start to go well. That's when things start to get easier. And um, we've been looking at the book of Acts this term. We've been looking at uh, stories about God doing incredible things. Stories about God doing amazing things. Crazy kind of church building stuff. And it's all going really, really well. But here's the thing, right? See, see, God chooses to do those things by the obedience of his people. So there's a verse in, in Luke, and it says this. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. See, the book of Acts is about people who have heard the word of God and are choosing to obey it. That's what it's all about. All these stories, all these miracles, everything that God does, he does through his church being obedient. And so the book of Acts is about a group of people who say, you know, well, my wants, my desires, my plans, my map, I'm going to put it down because I'm going to try and listen. I'm going to try and be obedient to what God's calling me to do. And uh, we're going to read from a certain story uh, in the book of Acts, kind of a man called Philip who chose to do that. He to put down a map and listen and obey. And it's in Acts chapter 8, verse 26 to 39. We're going to read it, and then I kind of want to look at kind of three, three different thoughts, three different lessons that we want to try and learn from it. Um, that's it. There's a, there's, it's coming up on the screen, so let's read it, okay? This is Acts 26, or Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. And the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. And then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless somebody explains it to me. So we invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before it, shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And the eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, is this, who is the prophet talking about? Is it himself or someone else? And Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. And as they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, here is water, what can stop in the way of me being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. The eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. So that's the passage. So right off the bat, we're kind of introduced to a person called Philip. Um, Philip is an ordinary person. We kind of have this idea in our heads, right, that if you kind of get into the Bible, you're like a special person, right? You, you clearly, you're a bit holy. You've got an, an ultra-holy life, because if you're, if you're in the Bible, you're clearly, you're a big guy, right? You're an important person. And we can kind of have that thinking about people who kind of make it into the Bible, but that's not the case. And that's certainly not the case for Philip. See, this guy, he's not some apostle. He doesn't work for the church. He didn't, we don't even know, but we, he doesn't, uh, it's, we think he didn't even spend time with Jesus when he kind of walked and talked on the earth. This guy, he's not special, not really. He's ordinary. It says that he, uh, he has a house, which means he's got bills to pay. He's got a wife. He's got four kids, four daughters, in fact, which means he probably doesn't have a lot of spare time. He's, he's, a, not, a, he's not a special guy, right? He's, he, it says he used to wait on tables. In other words, his day job was a waiter. 
a waiter. It's not, he's not a particularly special person. So when it says in verse 26, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road to, from Jerusalem to Gaza, that's not ordinary. That's not normal for him. That's not like the kind of standard thing. That's unordinary. It's not like the kind of 8 a.m. Monday morning angel assignment. No, that's, that's not normal. If I were to put myself in Philip's shoes, I'd probably think, really? really? Why do I have to do that? What, why do I have to go that How far is that? What, well, that's a long way. And it doesn't tell us the thoughts or feelings behind what's going on, but this command to anybody is an inconvenience, right? It's an inconvenience, or it seems like that way anyway. But here's the thing, because Philip understands that part of what it means to be a Christian is to put down the map. Part of what it means to be a Christian is to say, you know what, I'm not going to try and plot my route. I'm not going to try and hold on to what I've got planned on here. I'm going to put that down, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to listen, and I'm going to obey the commands that God's calling me to. See, when you've got the map, you've got, you can plan it to your heart's content. You've got, like, full control. Full control. That's not what happens when you're being obedient to God. Because he, 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 it's like he interrupts and he says, you know, actually your plot that you've got here, your plan, actually that, that might not be the plan that God's got for us. That might not be the plan that God's got for you. And so what happens is you're going to have to make a choice, right? Every time he does this, he makes a choice. You have to make a choice. Now he often, he won't interrupt you maybe to go on some big long journey, And he maybe won't interrupt you with an angel. Often it's through promptings or convictions or something like that. But every time he does, we have a choice. Do I obey? Am I going to be obedient in this point? A couple months ago, me and Bobby, who was in the first service, otherwise I'd get him to stand up and do a little dance. Uh, Bobby, uh, we were just kind of hanging out on a Friday night and we decided, you know what, let's... um, we feel like God's prompting us to kind of go out onto the Broadway in Hayward Seath and um, kind of get a couple of drinks and hang out. And what we'd do is we'd kind of pray before. And, and the whole point was we'd, we'd kind of have a good time. But the, the idea was let's try and be obedient to what we feel like God's kind of prompted us to. Because we felt like God prompted us to kind of go out and, um, and to like tell people about Jesus and, and look for opportunities to tell people about Jesus. And so we thought, you know, let's put down the map. Let's put down the map. Come on, let's, let's, let's go out and, and do this. And every time we've gone out, it's been crazy, actually, because it's been a really amazing, uh, really amazing time. And it's like an adventure. It's like faith put into action. It's really, like, really, really special. But that's, that's what it's felt like, an adventure. Not a chore. It's felt like an adventure. Now, for us, it was the Broadway, but for you guys, it could be Tesco's, or maybe it's waiting for the bus, or maybe it's in the school corridor, or maybe it's just before class starts, or maybe it's just before work finishes. Well, whatever it might be, God, God calls us. Or maybe it's in other ways as well. See, the amount of times that I've kind of decided, you know what, I'm going to sit down and just play on my PlayStation for a bit, and then I felt like God prompted me, say, actually, Harry, I think you should go read your Bible. And when that happens, I've got a choice, right? Do I, do I or don't I? Do I am I going to choose to do what I want to do? Or am I gonna, and when that happens, sometimes I'm kind of like, oh, come on. Like, I want to just chill out, you know? But then when you think about it, you're like, wait, hold on, actually, no. If God is prompting me to read my Bible, that's because there's something in there that he wants me to read. That means there's something in there he wants me to know. It means if I don't do it, I'm going to miss out. And, uh, and it's the same with other things as well. See, maybe for you, it might be God prompting you to pray more. God prompting you to say, you know, actually, God's saying, I want to build a relationship with you. Do you want to build a relationship with me? Should we do this prayer thing? It's an adventure to start a relationship with God through prayer. Maybe it's in other ways as well. Maybe it's to serve 
on the team here at church. It's an adventure to serve, to be a part of the mission that God's calling us to as a church. It's an adventure, not a chore. It's, maybe it might be to choose to kind of stop sinning in a certain way that you've maybe left uh, kind of uncontrolled for a bit. It's an adventure to kind of cut ties to the old life and live in the new. That's an adventure, not a chore. And um, that's what it is. That's it. It's, it's an adventure. <clears throat> when God interrupts your day, sometimes it feels like an inconvenience, but it's not. It's an invitation. It's an invitation to adventure. And when you make the choice to put down the map and start to kind of listen and obey, you see that faith isn't dull. Faith isn't boring. It's not a chore. It's not, you know, it's not something that you have to do. It's no, a, a, obedience is an adventure, an invitation. Now, when I was a kid, I uh, spent a lot of time uh, rock climbing at K2 Leisure Center in Crawley. I don't know if you've ever been, but they've got this massive wall. It's about 12 meters high. And what we'd do is we'd, uh, we, let's say, I made a really good close group of friends there, so every fighter would be there, and we got to know the leaders really, really well, which meant that they'd probably let us do stuff that um, health and safety regs normally wouldn't allow. And one of these things is we, we would climb up to the top of the 12-meter wall, and uh, we kind of have a harness, and, and it would be attached to the hook, and the rope would kind of go down, and the person at the bottom would have the harness, and they kind of stand there, and they've got the, the device. They're ready to kind of catch, right? And you kind of climb up to the top, and you're hanging on, and you go, you're right down there, and they go, yeah, all good, yeah. You ready to drop? And I go, yeah, okay. And they kind of give you the command, and they go, all right, you drop. And you just kind of let go, and you just do a dead drop, like a solid like 10, 11 meters kind of thing. And it was amazing fun. It's so much, such a good laugh, and yeah, probably wouldn't be allowed nowadays. But um, the, point, the, the point was that when, we, <laughs> when we're kind of hanging onto the wall, we could let go because we knew the person who was going to catch us. We understood who they were. We kind of like, we knew, like if some random bloke kind of walked in like, hey, let's do a dead drop, we'd be like, no, like, I don't know you. I, don't, I can't trust you, right? And um, that's, that's, that's the way it is when you follow in Jesus. That's the way it was when, when, when Philip got called to, because see, going down into the desert, that's not a safe thing to do. But he knew that if God had called him to it, then God was going to be providing, God was going to be protecting him. And if he knew that if he fell, God was going to catch him. Choosing to be obedient could be nerve-wracking because we don't like it when we don't have control over a situation. See, Philip here doesn't know what's going to happen. He's having to trust. God's got me. If I fall, he's got me. It can take courage to be obedient because you have to let go of control. You have to be willing to trust the person. And uh, on top of this, when the angel appears to Philip, it says in verse 26, goes south to the road, the desert road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza, that's an incredibly vague command. It's like God saying, get on the M3. Like, where? At what junction? How far do I kind of go along that road? It's like, what? Like, that's really very vague, but that's kind of the way that God works. That's kind of the, the way that God calls us. No extra detail is given. Philip's probably wondering, why? Like, why am I supposed to, why am I supposed to be on here? And there's probably a degree of fear there, maybe even doubt. Maybe, maybe he's thinking, was I wrong? Did I bump my head? Did I, did I really see the angel who said go this way? Because I'm walking along this road, I'm, and I'm seeing all these junctions go past, and I'm like, where do I get off? What happens next? How does this work? But here's the thing, right? When you, when you got the map, you, you can see it all. You've got your route planned out. You've got the whole thing here. You, you, can see, you, you can see the bigger picture. But when you are relying on the GPS, it only gives you one command at a time. Turn left. All right, turn left. And then once you've done that, you're kind of waiting for ages. You're thinking, when do I, what happens next? And then eventually it says, all right, okay, turn right. Oh, okay, now I turn right. And, you, and it, it only gives you one command at a time. 
And that's kind of the way that God did it here as well. It wasn't until Philip's been walking down this road for quite a while that Philip, that God eventually says to him, he says, go to that chariot and stay near it. So you can take courage to be obedient because it means you don't always have the bigger picture. You're going to have to be willing to, to handle confusion. Have to be willing to handle questions you can't answer. You've got to be willing to wrestle sometimes with doubt when you're being obedient. See, about this time last year, I was spending... Uh, a lot of time with one of the youth workers and we were kind of like thinking and, and planning out kind of um, like the future like we, I, we had lots of ideas and we were kind of thinking oh we could do that we could, that would be brilliant we were trying to write it all down and it was, it was really exciting but at the same time it was a bit kind of nerve wracking because we thought how on earth are we going to do this how on earth are we going to make these things work because we've got so many great ideas it's like how, do we, how does this work and we felt that there was an image given to us which is of stepping stones and the idea is obviously with stepping stones is that you've got kind of the one in front of you and then you can only go to the what You can't go to the second one. You can only go to the first. And we felt like that was what God was saying was that, that God's going to reveal each stepping stone as we go. So that's what we've been doing. We made changes to youth in September. That's a step. But then we've got another step coming up or another step coming up and, and that's kind of the way it is when you're following Jesus just generally as well. And each step comes with its own challenges or doubts or fears. But if God's called you to it, the next instruction is going to come along. It's going to come along. It will. That's what it's like following Jesus step by step. It requires courage. Courage to trust. Choose to put down the map and obey, even if it means stepping out in faith. Even if it means stepping out of your comfort zone. The adventure of faith requires courage to trust. And we've been seeing all of this through Philip's eyes so far, right? But there's the other person in the story, the, ma- the other kind of main character in the story is this guy called, uh, or we're not given his name, but he's an Ethiopian. And this Ethiopian fellow, he's a, he's a convert to Judaism, and it says that he's the treasurer of the queen of Ethiopia. In other words, he was kind of their equivalent of this guy that's going to come up on the screen now. That was kind of the person that he was. That's kind of the same job that he had. And I love this picture because it looks like Mr. Hammond is, uh, <laughs> it looks like he's kind of like a school kid on his first day of school, like with his little satchel, kind of like ready to go through the school gates. Um, but uh, that's uh, Chancellor of the Exchequer, Mr. Hammond. And uh, <clears throat> he's an Ethiopian, it means that he's an important person. He's not just some small, see, Philip, ordinary, this guy, extraordinary. He's not normal like Philip. He's, some, he's a big person. He's a kind of big cheese in the government. Do you know what I mean? Like, he's a big person. He's got important things to do. It says that he was uh, the treasure of the Queen of Ethiopia. Now, the Ethiopian Empire back then was big. It wasn't as big as the Romans, but it's, it occupied a large portion of Africa. And this queen that we know of, and I can't pronounce her name, so I'm not going to even try and say it, but she built stuff. And some of the things she built were these. Now, if she built them and he was her chief treasurer, that means that he probably handled the budget on these. He wasn't some small-time dude. He did big stuff. And uh, I love this because it's like the Bible is like real. It's grounded in history. It's like actually you can see the evidence of what's going on like still around us today. But he's a big person. He's an important person. And... uh, the Ethiopian, he's sitting in his chariot and he's coming back from his pilgrimage and he's trying to understand what he's reading, right? He's trying to understand what he's reading and he, he doesn't get it. He doesn't get it. And Philip kind of runs up to him and says, hey, do you want some help? Firstly, that's weird. Like if someone chased me down the street saying, do you understand? Do you understand? I'd be like, get away from me, you weirdo. Like, but eventually, 
or, or it doesn't kind of tell us exactly how it happened, but eventually it's like, yeah, yeah, actually I do. I need help understanding what I'm trying to read. And Philip kind of gets up and they start, they start talking, they start kind of chatting about what he's reading. Because he's reading the Bible, but the Bible's not always easy to understand. The Bible's actually quite confusing at some points, especially the Old Testament. It can be difficult to read, difficult to get your head around, difficult to understand. Why does it say that? What is it? How does that work? And Philip explains to him that the whole of the Bible, all of it, it all points towards Jesus. So if you're a non-Christian here today and you're kind of wondering, what's this all about? Why, why, is, this, why is this the way it is? What's this whole Christianity thing? I, I want to just say it's, it's all about Jesus. All of it. It's all about the person of Jesus. And see, what the Ethiopian needed was he needed a place to be able to talk, right? He needed a place to be able to ask questions. He needed a place to be able to discuss and kind of understand through discussion. And if that's the kind of thing that you'd like, if that's the kind of thing that you would want to do, then talk to someone because we have this thing called the Alpha Course, which is basically all about that. It's all about asking questions and discussing faith. And ask somebody about it because that kind of point you in the right direction. Um, but so they chat, right? And the Ethiopian, he understands the gospel. He gets it. Now, he probably didn't have all the answers to the questions, but he's understood enough to know that Jesus is worth following, that Jesus is worth believing in, that Jesus is worth being obedient to. And this Ethiopian guy who's this big shot in government, he's like, actually, you know what? This is not beneath me. Obedience for him is not beneath him. It's not a dirty word. Is it to be obedient is to be kind of somehow less of a person. He gets that, actually, it's not like that. He takes it in his stride because he's received grace. He's received the free gift of forgiveness. He understands that what Jesus did on the cross is he, Jesus died, taking the, taking the sin and the shame, the burden that you carry, and that's gone and that's dead, and now he can have this relationship with God. He's got rid of the burden. He's received grace. He understands that obedience isn't about slugging around a big heavy backpack with all your stuff in it. Obedience is about freedom. Obedience is about not having the burden. It's about being free. That's what the, Philip, that's what the Ethiopian understands. And so as they trundle along the road, they spot water, and the Ethiopian declares, what can stop me from being baptized? You see, we so often have a plan, right? And what we're trying to do is we're trying to, and we're trying to think, well, how does this kind of work into my plan? The Ethiopian's like, well, how does this kind of work into my plan? He says, what can stop me from being baptized? So when we do this, we're trying to find excuses, Trying to find, what, what's this excuse? What's that excuse? How, what, so if, if I'm being obedient, does that mean that I should, I, I should probably talk to like these people before? I should talk to my parents, or I should talk to my wife, or I should make sure that I, I, I only do this when I have no doubts or no questions, or I should only be obedient when I understand it all, or when I, I should only be obedient when I've been in around it for a little while. And we come up with these excuses to, to, to kind of almost just to postpone things, basically. But he's like, what can stop me from being baptized? What can stop me from being baptized? See, the answer here is, of course, nothing. So if the belief is there, then go for it. He gets it and he throws down the map. He's, he's, he says, you know what? I'm done trying to figure this out. I don't need it anymore. And he kind of walks in. There's water over here. Donk. Like, let's do it. Come on. I'm getting baptized. He understands that it's not about burden. It's about freedom. And so getting baptized, being obedient is a privilege, not a chore. It's an incredible privilege. The Ethiopian didn't have to get baptized. He didn't have to. He got to. It was a privilege. An incredible one. 
And in the same vein, we, we don't have to read our Bible. We get to because understanding that, that God is trying to speak to us through this book, that's a privilege, not a burden. And we don't have to pray. We get to pray because it's a privilege that God wants to build a relationship with us through prayer. And we don't have to serve on a church team, but it's an incredible privilege to be a part of a church family that's got a mission. It's not have to. It's not have to. It's, no, no, we get to. It's all about we get to. The adventure of obedience is a privilege. The Ethiopian didn't have to get baptized, but he did. He got to. And if you'd like to get up, that'd be great. Thank you. This story isn't alone. The book of Acts is a book full of stories just like this. And for 2,000 years worth of church history, that's full of stories just like this. About people choosing to be obedient. People choosing, you know what, I'm going to put down the map. I'm going to follow God. I'm going to listen. I'm going to be obedient. And we as a people, whether you're a believer here or not, we like to hold on. We like to cling on to our little plan. Because they know this adventure of obedience is so much better than what, I've, what you've got planned for yourself. Giving up the map, choosing to obey is an invitation to adventure. Sure, it's difficult. Sure, it requires faith. Sure, it requires courage. But it's a privilege. Because it's in these moments that God interrupts that God's, God's people, when, when, when God interrupts this, what we're doing, it's like when God interrupts those moments that God's people choose to obey as he builds his church. When he interrupts is when he builds his church. When his people are obedient, that's when he builds his church. If you aren't a Christian today, I want to ask a question. And if you're weighing things up, struggling with questions, trying to stick to your own route, I just want to suggest that Jesus is calling you now. Would you put down the map? Would you choose to put down the map? Choose to, be, choose to listen, choose to be obedient like this Ethiopian person was. If you're a Christian here and you haven't yet been baptized, I want to ask you this. What can stop you from being baptized? What are the excuses that you kind of got going on? This guy realized that all of his excuses were, when it came to it, rubbish. They were just excuses. He realized that nothing can stop him from being baptized because he has faith. He believes in what God's done for him. And to everybody else in the room, I want to ask you this. Where's God calling you today? What's God calling you to do today? So Jesus has this remarkable adventure of obedience lined up for us. And as we sing this song, come on, let, let, I want to encourage us, let's put down the map. Let's, let's go where Jesus calls us. Let's, let's try and think through and, and, and listen and be obedient to what we feel like God's speaking and provoking us and prompting us to do.